0: Striking while the iron's hot to be your authoritative voice for New Mexico soccer. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike Podcast. Sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find us on the web at Collective.com. Welcome to another episode of We Are Seek and Strike podcast, the fan podcast for those followers of New Mexico United. Um, I'm your host, Chris Walker, and with me, as always, is the exclusive one, Alicia. Alicia, how are you doing tonight?
1: You know, I've been pretty tired lately. How about you?
0: <laughs> You've been tired? I mean, what are you... <laughs> Are you not you're not getting your uh, your sleep or your uh, your vitamins? What's going
1: on here? No, it's just, you know, stuff I've been working on and I just and then I have to get up early to work in the morning, so I've just, you know, it's just been I've been exhausted and I have no idea why.
0: Man, we got to we got to get you on a program. <laughs> <laughs> you stay up long enough i mean you know you you just kind of get used to being up that time i don't know it's just you know you you gotta you have to go nocturnal like a bat you know
1: yeah and i always go to sleep late but i always you know i wake up tired so i just don't understand how i'm not getting used to it
0: right so so what have you been up to uh this last week um what'd you do over the three-day uh holiday weekend
1: um i didn't really do much just cele- uh celebrated um my nephew who's actually going into middle school and you know headed to uh, the home match which we all know how that went and that was pretty much it it was very quiet
0: okay okay yeah i'd say i had a pretty pretty chill weekend too also you know obviously went to that match and then You know, of course, just um, I mean, I think I kind of slept in for a good amount of the time through the weekend. I did. I did find myself wanting a late night snack. Um, So I checked out the new uh, naked chicken chalupa at Taco Bell.
1: Oh, I've heard of that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So what have you heard about that?
1: It's just always on the commercials, but you know, I never, I don't understand what's the difference between this one and like the other ones that they have.
0: So here's the big difference. So like basically, there's no like, there's no like tortilla or the bread or whatever the tor- the chilaquiles tortilla. Uh-huh. Um, they basically what they're using as the tortilla is the chicken. So it's like the breaded chicken, and it's basically like folded like as a taco and then the toppings are inside of it and so that's basically the the naked chicken uh, chalupa
1: okay so yeah there is a pretty big difference there
0: yeah yeah for sure i mean it really wasn't bad and i and i will tell you that like when i was going to check it out i i kind of prepared myself to not like it so i also had ordered like the nacho bel grande as well just as like a consolation okay that was good i ordered a side of cheese because doordash basically flipped my nachos upside down so (laughs) (laughs) so i mean you know when you do the late night snack thing i mean you, you never know what you're gonna get i got roasted a little bit on twitter by harry um You know, he didn't understand why when I live in New Mexico, I would be going to Taco Bell versus all the other taco places. But I tried to explain to him that at midnight, there are really not a lot of things that are open. And when you don't feel like going out, I mean, DoorDash kind of limits your options.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is pretty true. But a lot of the like the taco trucks and stuff are out pretty late now.
0: Yeah, if you want to go out. But
1: yeah. usually
0: usually after match days, my feet hurt, my body sore. I'm just like, I really <laughs> don't want to. Do I really want to lose my parking place up front? You know, it's just these things that you got to deal with, you know. And, you know, when you're living in an apartment, you're like, I really don't want to have to huck it. Yeah. Just, just for that late night snack. So you try to do what you can. Um, you know, so and that's kind of what I've got going on.
1: And no, I don't think that's it. There's something else going on
0: oh, going around oh. social
1: media. So why don't you touch on that?
0: Okay. So you, you were, we were talking a little bit offline and, you know, so yesterday uh, I launched a supporters group for New Mexico United called Black Diamonds. And basically, you know, this supporters group, you know, the focus is to promote and celebrate black culture. Um, it's also obviously a vehicle to, create like an inclusive space, you know, um, you know, what we want to do with it. And the kind of, I guess to kind of give you a little bit more story than I think most people have gotten is, you know, this idea started like June of 2019. And, you know, I basically thought it would be really nice for the players on the pitch to be able to see some representation in the stands, you know, but, you know, there really weren't, there's not really a lot of black folks that go to soccer matches. It's not really a thing that's really popular amongst black communities in America. And so, I mean, I would kind of see like every once in a while another person that looked like me. And I thought, man, what would it be like if there were more, you know, and, and then furthermore, you know, what would it be like if the club also, you know, was able to really like, we were able to do more, in like the black community, like it's, like, it's cool to post black history posts and Juneteenth posts, you know, it's cool to do those, those occasional things that everyone does on social media as well. But what would it be like if, you know, if, if the culture was, was, you know, more eminent, more like around more often, you know, and, and if people can really kind of engage, you know, in different cultures, you know, creating kind of a cross-cultural thing. And, and then essentially, you know, the last part of it was, you know, you know, last year, June 2020, with all the protests and the rallies going on and really seeing a lot of the allyship that was happening in the soccer community outside of it, you know, to me, it was like so much people showed up for the Black community, you know. and And I thought, man, that's really awesome that people made something else more important than the game. And it was really important to me to kind of make sure that, like, you know, that these folks in the community that maybe haven't experienced soccer could kind of come in and experience it and also meet these people that, you know, that, you know, essentially want to, you know, support like inclusivity and like diversity. And so that's kind of like the, the evolution of Black Diamond's um, supporter group. And, you know, and, you know, the one big thing I wanted to put out there yesterday was that you don't have to be black to be a Black Diamond, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I was looking at that and I did get, you know, a little bit curious and, and interested about it. But, you know, the way that you want to have that inclusivity and, you know, not that the curse doesn't do it, but, you know, kind of just pushing more out there, it was what, you know, something that I believe is needed all around. And I'm sure the players are going to be, and if they haven't heard of it by now, they're probably excited about what's to come. It's, And with the players that have been doing stuff like around that, like Austin Yearwood and, uh, you know, Salih Muhammad is not with us anymore, but he's with Oakland. But as you said, he was a supporter of it. So that just shows something that it's not going to fail.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, the the real cool thing about it all is just seeing kind of, Everyone's reaction to it. I mean, it's something that I've kind of, you know, obviously been working on for two years, and you know, the logo has kind of come together. And you know, once we had the logo, it was just a matter of okay, well, there's so many other things we had to do. Still, we had to obviously, you know, design all the other storyboard graphics that you've seen um, on the Twitter or Instagram, um, which is at Black Diamonds NM uh, NM as in New Mexico, um, but basically there was just so much other work that came into actually launching this thing. And, um, and then, you know, and then really the last few days have just been like, all right, I think I'm ready. Nope, not ready. (laughs) And, uh, and, you know, came to June 1st and I was like, okay, yeah, we need to launch this thing. You know, it's also the beginning of pride month. And I was like, you know, this is cool too. Cause I mean, you know, my personal views, you know, black trans lives matter, but trans lives matter regardless of, of what, of what, um, of what, Race or, or ethnic value, if you will, uh, that they are, and so to me, like it was just really important that we launched it out there, so that we can kind of really take part of all the other things that are happening this month, and and furthermore.
1: Yeah, no, and I, and I think it's great that you're doing this too, and you know, maybe later on we might it might not even be Black Diamonds, New Mexico. It can move on to other. Um, Teams in the USL, or maybe even bigger.
0: So, yeah, that's very true. I mean, currently there like are some other supporter groups. I mean, you know, um, if you like, if you're, you're listening and you're like wondering, like, what other what other teams kind of have these black supporter groups? Um, Forward Madison, a USL one, they have Featherstone Flamingos um, and MLS, the Chicago Fires. They've got the they got the Black Fires um richmond kickers got uh, river city 93 they're also usl uh one um dc united in washington spirit of nwsl um, they've got the rose room collective and um and then there's there are more groups that are kind of coming about uh, more or less uh, there's a gentleman that i know that's working on one for fc dallas so they're definitely, like, coming around and just launching one more, um, basically, I think, probably encourages the next person, like, okay, yeah, like, that launch happened, it was good, now we're, you know, we're up next. And, you know, and so that's, that's kind of where we're at, you know, and people are definitely interested in joining, and we're, we're working on all the details for that.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm really hoping to see and excited about what's coming next. You're right just on. starting out, so...
0: Yeah, my phone blows up like literally um, every moment there's a text or there's something kind of happening on there and it's a joy like it really is. It's like uh, it's like when it's your birthday and, you know, people are messaging you and, you know, there's that general excitement that you're going to open up your Facebook or whatever social media and you got like all these notifications, you know, like more than like 50 you You're like, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> and it's just so amazing. But you also you want to respond to all of them too, you know what I mean, and and do something like you know and let them know like that you you've seen it and you appreciate it, and all kinds of people are following accounts. It's a really awesome thing, and you know, um, you know, you know, I, I like I said, I, you know, it wasn't something I did by myself. I mean, I got like a group of founders. I mean, you know, and let me give them a shout out. You know, Mike Silva from Rude Boy Cookie, Rashawn Jones from High Desert uh, Flameworks, um, Lucas Hill, Carlin Pinkins, um, Arthur Bell, you know, like, so, I mean, definitely just everyone that has really been kind of there, you know what I mean? On, on this project. And, uh, and then of course, you know, Greg O Jackson from FTC and then Lindsay from the curse helping out with the graphics, you know, and, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a long time coming, you know?
1: Yeah, and just remember, it's only the beginning,
0: so. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is, yeah. A lot of cool stuff coming. You'll definitely be excited um, on more stuff with that. Um, So I wanted to transition us then to the last bit of news before we hit a break is, like, the MLS. um, uh, So The Athletic, uh, Jeff Reuter, um, and another one of his uh, associates, they reported yesterday that, the MLS is apparently launching like a division three league. And so basically the division three league um, would essentially probably have the most competition with USL league one and also uh, NISA, the national independent soccer association. And so what, what it appears the MLS would be doing with this division three league is basically bridging the gap between their MLS next team teams and are their academies and then also their first teams. So in a way, they're kind of using this sort of division three league to kind of compete with the rest of the talent at those levels. Um, there's some speculation that it would probably like affect USL. Um, just because if you remember in the USL championship, we have so many um, MLS two teams, you know, as well as league one, there's also some, um, there's also some MLS two teams in those two. So there's a thought that some of those MLS two teams would leave um, USL Championship and would go over to this new um, Division Three that they haven't really named. And there's also the thought that – or it's also reported, I guess, that independent teams could also join this um, this Division Three.
1: I haven't really heard much about it, but it is kind of weird, I should say, because – with the USL you have the USL championship and League mm-hmm. 1, League 2 and then they just added the academy so i wonder what they're trying to do there
0: yeah cuz it's they're saying that it won't be pro rel so there won't be any sort of like teams that join this D- D3 league which is like a, again think about it like from a League 1 perspective cuz that's basically like what is division 3 so you think about it from a League 1 perspective the MLS basically creates a product that competes with USL League One and Nisa. And then, and so you got now you got all these um, MLS two teams that probably are in that oh. section. So they move them out of championship. So that's less teams there. So no more low dose, if you will, you know. And, you know, obviously Timbers two is already gone, but no more low dose. And, and other two teams, you know, so if Vegas could somehow leave, that would probably happen um, if they, if they fully became the two team, I think they're just an affiliate still, but you basically got this sort of level right here. And so my thought is, would you see, would that set up teams like forward Madison or, you know, those teams to go, Hey, we want to be a part of this other um league that's like an MLS product and essentially then if that happens are those players able to then go up to the MLS through that do you see what i'm saying so if it's like kind of a path the pro a little different like they haven't really revealed a lot of details but it makes you wonder i mean currently like think about Logan Ketterer he came out of a championship side went to the MLS you know um, would the MLS still do or take advantage of those types of relationships or would they just work through this other side league, you know, where they can just basically route people up from the, the division threes.
1: I think what would happen would be, you know, like those uh, that are in like the league one would want to move over to that. If that's going to help them since they're not really affiliated with other teams and, I mean, it just also depends, too, because El Paso is not really af- um, affiliated with an MLS team. You know, you, they just kind of picked up Ketterer. And with that, it just varies because you have the scouts looking everywhere. So maybe the league can help with that. That league can help, you know, getting a step forward into an MLS career are going back into the MLS if you know they kind of went down. But I just I just don't kind of agree with like adding that extra step with what they're doing right now is fine because a lot of players are getting that opportunity.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean it's it's just these little affiliations like Forward Madison has an affiliation or a partner or a relationship with Chicago Fires, you know. So it would make you wonder would Forward Madison go, hey, let's just go over to this MLS Division Three, you know, because it's it's the same level and we're already affiliated with, you know. And I think and I guess the, the other details are like, what are the fees going to be? You know, I mean, I, there's got to be some sort of money. We know the USL doesn't really reveal their part, but this is MLS. Mm. So you'd, you'd want to know what's the financial standpoint. Like if there's some sort of bottom line, will we know about that um, or like what? What are the clauses going to be because again like the mls thing that they're creating basically is is just a it's going to be a direct competition you know and again with those relationships that these usl league ones already have in place where they're getting players coming down that's what you're i think that's kind of what you're you're looking at but you know just it was just an interesting piece of news that came out the other day because, you know, everyone on the Twitter is always, like, interested in pro-rel, right? You know, you watch enough English Premier League, you know, that, you know, teams aren't good. They go down to the next league, and that's what they want, but this is not what this is going to be.
1: No, and, and that's always been an issue, too.
0: <laughs> exactly. So. Let's go to a break real quick, and then when we come back, we will jump into our recap for Loudoun United.
2: For hey, yo! We caught to blackout. Blackout. Who the blackout?
1: blackout. blackout. Hey, yo, these cats is all lying like that Detroit team. Patrick Cliver, when I hold the mic, ghost him like the poltergeist. Cold as ice, roll the dice. Roll the This is Cliver. It's a real chance in Holland. Got one Got one back. Got one back. Cliver.
0: And we're back. We're back from the break. All right. You know as you talked about the top half Licia we went to the New Mexico United game the results were not great and of course that did lead to I think we had what we had like late spring showers the other day we had rain it was like kind of a result of the outcome of the match was that was that right even some hail and
1: yes and there was hail too so
0: <laughs> I mean you know i mean obviously the gods don't like when new mexico loses so um i bring you back to our installment six words for saturday what are your six words
1: <laughs> so it's five varies so very 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 frustrating to watch that match i i am um, I have no words with what went on in that match.
0: Mm. Well, I've got, I've got some words. I've got some words for you. I've got, I've got, uh, I've got six words. So my first instance is probably going to be draw two, and the color's red. But for for the greater amounts of eighty eight hundred people that were in the stadium. I've got six words for you in the fashion of Stone Cold Steve Austin, <laughs>
1: and
0: and back we are because it's true. I mean, the officiating was horrible. Let's kick up this recap. Loudoun United comes in from Leesburg, Virginia. We reviewed the team last episode. Sammy Sergi, former New Mexico United striker, in town, hoping to spoil the night for the former side. He was all smiles, though, and they were slapping hands with RJ, and things seemed all good. But Sammy knew, he knew, like, the lab, but not from that entrance, not from that guest room or that guest locker room. He would only been in the home side. So, you know, wondering what he thought, what he felt, going into there but let's talk about the New Mexico lineup. The first thing that came off the top is a new pairing up top. We saw Sandoval with Brian Brown. What did you think of that?
1: I like the, I felt like that was kind of weird, you should say, mm. considering how, you know, the rest was in the midfield. That's where I was like, well, what's going on and it was definitely something new that I was not expecting whatsoever
0: now we've seen like three different like kind of pairings we've seen like Brian Brown and Amondo Moreno we've seen Devin Sandoval and Amondo Moreno and then of course now we've seen Brian, Br- Brian Brown and Devin Sandoval um just kind of curious what is your favorite pairing
1: I like the Amanda Moreno and Brian Brown. I think they work very well together, and they're the ones that actually created most of our chances in the switchbacks game.
0: Yeah, that is very true. And I mean, they, they definitely have worked well together. Um, one thing we should point out, obviously the guys were out there in their uh, brand new electric turquoise um, kits, Um you know they looked good out there. I liked I liked looking at the site. It was a, it was a nice a nice thing. Um, we did lose in the kits, so I mean, did you kind of think? Uh, you know, I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But when when the loss happened, did you ever think, oh, we're zero one in the new kits?
1: No, I didn't think about that actually.
0: Because you know, you know, there's always somebody who's got the comment.
1: <laughs> yeah, there definitely is, but I actually haven't heard it this time around. Maybe because it was our first game with the kids.
0: Yeah, maybe because they like the kit too much.
1: <laughs>
0: That's probably what it really is. So then, um, kind of go- going down the lineup more. Uh, Amano Moreno up top in the middle with uh, Sergio Rivas and Michael Azera there. Uh, it was good to see Sergio Rivas back in the lineup, especially after last week, you know, with Troy subbing him off, just not thinking that he was really in the rhythm. And, um, you know, and I, I had a very interesting uh, thought during the player announcements. I don't know if you caught this, but, you know, when they were announcing all the players, you know, they say like the per- the player's first name and then the crowd says the last name. I just thought it was super crazy that like, at least where I was standing, that like no one really said Revis's last name or Azera's last name. It just seemed like it got super quiet there. Like people didn't know what to say. And I thought, oh my gosh, like have they just not done enough to be
1: recognized?
0: But how did they know Brian Brown's last name then?
1: Well, I on the Revis one where I was sitting, it was loud and they did say their last name. But when it came to Michael Azera, I'm not kidding you. Everyone around me was like, who's that? And I'm like, are you serious? (laughs) I'm
0: saying. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind
1: of upsetted me.
0: (laughs) I'm like, okay, guys, I understand it's the second home game. But, I mean, you guys are watching the away games, right? I mean, because, like, I just thought, wow, like. I, I had to write it down, and I was like, ah, "We're gonna talk about that." That was crazy. Like, y'all gotta learn the names. Like, we can't be letting our guys up. That's the worst. That's like when someone calls your name at school and no one claps for you.
1: Exactly. Like, come on now. Like, and we've known about these signings for a while now. So,
0: yeah, they gotta get it together. But maybe they were just taking bites of their chalupas. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they even have Chalupas there. So maybe Churros. Maybe that's, maybe that's what it was. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, like, then let's talk about the rest of the lineup. So uh, Josh Suggs and Daniel Bruce uh, in the starting 11 alongside uh, Austin Yearwood, Kalen Ryden, and Samuel Sam Hamilton. So rounding out the back, I thought it was good to see Suggs back in the lineup again um, as a winger. I mean, you know, like, I'm not going to lie, though. I mean, like, between him... Daniel Bruce and Harry Swartz. I mean, I, I kind of was hoping to see Swartz somewhere in there.
1: I was too. I was kind of upset at the fact that Swartz didn't start and um, Chelo didn't start either, considering Tanari was suspended from this game. It was a very, you know, weird lineup for me when it came to the midfield. And I'm like, well, what's going on here? What, like, why are we trying something new? Is it because you know, at that time, Loudoun United hasn't won a game. So maybe Mm -hmm. they thought that by trying something new, we kind of had the upper hand on them and could have taken the win no matter what.
0: Well, and let's kind of, let's kind of look at this lineup, right? So you got Josh Suggs and Daniel Bruce, right? Good wingers. They're definitely guys that, I mean, if you, we've watched them play, they're really good at like just calling for the ball. Now we can truly say that the ball doesn't really go to the left side much. I mean, all the times that Suggs is in and he's running up the left side and he's calling for it, they don't really send the ball that way. They really don't. I mean, they just don't. They don't really see that side. Um, it's always going to go usually to the right side with Bruce, you know. So I'm just kind of wondering, like, you know, that has to be a common thing when they look at they look at the film, like, hey guys, look to the left, look at the left because I'm usually open. And it's always kind of been that way. I mean, do you think that they need to like switch? the sides, do you think that, that they would switch Suggs to the other side or do you think that that's just like something that that really is kind of on like the the players that are like in the middle of the midfield? You know what I mean? Because it seems like the people that are distributing it to the left are going to be right in, but the people that are distributing it up to the right side are always going to be like Moreno because they, they know Bruce is going to give the ball back.
1: Yeah, that's the thing that kind of frustrates me because you see them doing the play, and they're kind of getting, you know, swallowed up in the, in the attacking third because of the, of the defenders from Loudoun United, and they're struggling. And then on the other side, you see Suggs literally jumping and screaming, waving his hands that he's open, and they really need to start, you know, kind of looking up and communicating around that the whole field. If, um, you know, Yearwood sees, I believe Yearwood is on Sugg's side or yeah. like more towards the middle. Yeah. If you would hear Suggs or sees him, he needs to be able to communicate that to, you know, to Kalen and, and you know, just like a simple chain, chain reaction, because with that, you never know. Like if you switch the field to Suggs, he can – create a play and it most it go into the back of the net instead of you trying to struggle over here in the corner. And then it's a goal kick and it gets you nowhere.
0: Yeah. I mean, historically with this team, like they always love to send the ball to the right side of the pitch. They're always kind of playing into that corner. And then they're hoping maybe that because they've pulled people so wide that they can send it back to the backside. But I mean, I think they got to kind of create some different looks um, it was good to see Tam back in the uh, between the posts. I mean obviously by this point you, you just you just know that that's where he's gonna be. Um, you know and I, I think he he still continues to do well back there.
1: Yeah, I think he does and you can tell that he's growing from the first game against RGB that he's doing better and it seems like he's starting to get more comfortable where where he's at and who he's working with.
0: That's right. Let's talk about that controversial red card. I mean, I know there were two in the match, right? But the one that I want to talk about is Austin Yearwood's red card. Now, of course, today we did find out that an independent re- review panel did look at it and they did reverse it. So Austin won't be suspended for three matches. Um, but when it was happening, you know, obviously we didn't have this sort of grace of the soccer gods, if you will, i.e., the independent re- review review panel, which I've learned that, you know, they didn't do it on their own. The club has to obviously file the appeal and there's some financials that go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but from my view, I was sitting center pitch. So seeing everything pretty level, Austin is chasing down uh Karu Mustafa that I pointed out in the last preview, that Al was a guy with speed and he was like their fly guy. Like, I mean, Austin's chasing him down. He's definitely on his way uh, towards the goal uh, or towards, yeah, towards the goal. Um, Austin doesn't touch the guy. The guy basically trips on, I don't know, maybe like a blade of grass or something in the pitch, whatever it might be, whatever it might be, falls on his face. And maybe about two seconds later, Yearwood's throwing up his arms and he's like, oh, it wasn't me. And then all of a sudden here comes, Chris Reska, you know, we're, we're using his name here. But he comes up and he, boom, pulls out the red. And Austin's like, I can't believe it. You know And I mean? I saw his facial expression. He was like, what? Are you kidding me? No way. You know, I thought about this for the last couple of days. He doesn't really touch him. But do you think that the ref just basically sees him do the sort of, it wasn't me. You know what I mean? And he's like, and it's like the little kid that's like, you know, someone falls and you're like nowhere, apparently near the scene of the crime. But you're like, how did this guy just fall? Like you had to stick your foot out and trip him or something. Like, do you think that the ref kind of reacted more to like Austin's reaction? Do you think if Austin didn't do that, that the outcome would be different?
1: No, I don't think so. Because, you know, every everybody kind of does that. And You know, sometimes it is when you did do it, but and most of the time it's like when you didn't do it, you kind of put your hands up to protect yourself. And, um, with that, maybe it could have been a bad angle that the ref was watching, but I mean, it was a very bad call, you know. Yearwood did not touch him, and It was a breakaway and you're not supposed to do that in breakaways because it can result in something like, or if it's in the box, it could be a penalty. And with that, I just, it was very frustrating because he automatically gave him the red, didn't bother talking about it, nothing. And that's what kind of frustrates me too, because I've seen other officials and you know, they kind of talk to both players, and that's when sometimes it gets decided. And, you know, this is where uh, where the VAR kind of should come in handy. Or, you know, if they don't have the funds for VAR, the USL, they can, you know, like they say, like there's a big screen. And it, they can clearly see what happens from different angles, but, you know... It was it was very frustrating because you obviously saw from the different camera angles that he did not lay a finger on him. He literally tripped over his own feet. His feet were too fast for him.
0: Yeah, I couldn't so. believe that. I couldn't believe my eyes. And um and I just thought like, you know, as I've been watching a lot of wrestling lately, I was like, oh man. I go, this must have been one of those pro wrestling angles like, you know, because from the backside, yeah, maybe he did hit him. Like maybe you can't maybe you you couldn't see that. Maybe he did step on his foot. But from the side view, I was like, he didn't even touch this guy. Like, I don't even no. know how how that even came about. And so Yearwood gets the red card. Like, literally, like, it was literally like him talking in the press conference this week about going down a man and how they had to, like, hold on and be resilient, like, when they were in Colorado Springs. And then this week he gets the card. And the first thing I'm thinking is, Oh, no. Like, back-to-back weeks with a red card, this one a lot sooner in the game than, you know, you're still trying to figure out the opponent. And at 23 minutes, New Mexico United is down a man. And, you know, that matchup that I was identifying on the preview between Al Mustafa and Yearwood then just became Josh Suggs moving back, you know, for the moment. And Josh Suggs kind of covering him with Swartz coming in to round out the the right side.
1: And taking out Devin Sandoval, which was like, whoa, that was a pretty bold move on Troy knowing how much, you know, he kind of likes having Sandoval in there to create those chances. But it just kind of worked out taking him out and putting other players in because it seems like for the most part, sure, we were giving them up a lot of plays and they were very scary shots on frame, but it was it was a more defensive game that we needed to play. And it was it was just frustrating. And the way that also that they kind of, like the last half hour of the match, they felt like they kind of woke up and started playing. That kind of frustrated me too, because like, where, where was this team? Like at the minute the, the whistle blew.
0: Yeah, we we definitely we've got a couple of of clips for you actually uh where troy seine um addresses those very two things he addresses uh taking out devin Sandoval and not wanting to do that um and then he also addresses um you know New Mexico coming out really sluggish the first 20 and essentially playing uh the best in the last 20 and and how it just they weren't good enough and uh we're gonna go ahead and play those clips now.
2: No, no, no. Dev, Devin's fit. I mean, it was a choice that we made as a staff. We were gonna try to go more four-four-one, um, and there's three forwards on the field between Amando and Devin and, and Brownie, and so one of them had to be sacrificed. I hated, I hated it to make that decision. I hated it. It had to be Dev, um, but you know that's that's the decision that was made. What what I told the guys at the end um, to get to the to the real point of it is is that. The truth of the game lies in the first 20, 25 minutes, and we weren't good enough. And you know, when, when you come out and you don't take the initiative, that's not like us. Um, the response after that was absolutely phenomenal. And I, I think these guys put everything they had into to getting the result either with a draw or obviously trying to go for the win. But again, the first 20, 25 minutes was lackluster. And that's where we have to take ownership and accountability to move forward and say we have to improve beginning of the game and uh that's that's where it's at
0: all right and we're back and so yeah as you kind of heard from those clips i mean troy was just very transparent about you know about his side and about the things that the team needs to do uh better really to improve um i do want to comment that like you know as i was kind of mentioning uh on the post game post on the seek and strike um instagram is that uh you know Troy was was very frustrated on the night and I mean rightfully so as we're gonna as we're gonna get there uh, shortly is like you know he had gotten a red card you know, and through the night, I mean obviously the officiating um the the cautions that were that were that were uh, whistled you know to the point of him, you know doing in his mind what he probably thought was more helpful um uh, putting the ball back into play versus, you know, uh, anything else. And then, of course, you know, having the extra things he had to say, I mean, he gets a red card, you know. And so Troy basically takes his licks, says, all right, got to go. Runs to the locker room. And I got to say, and I said this on Twitter, but who makes this guy's suits? Because this guy went full sprint in a suit. And those shoes were nice, too. So, I mean, I got to know. Is there some stretchy material in there or what?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, he's always just nice, Coach Troy. But, you know, with his red card, I kind of felt it was also unnecessary. And, you know, okay, sure, he did get out of his box and kind of gave them, you know, gave our team the ball because, you know, we were kind of running down on time. But that shouldn't have been a yellow. It should have been, I can't remember if he got a verbal warning before. But if, if he didn't, I just can't remember. That should have been a verbal warning. And I know you're not supposed to step out of your box. But I mean, he really wasn't, you know, going at it with the official. He wasn't going at it with another player. He wasn't going at it with the other team, with their coaches and their trainers and the subs. He was literally getting the ball.
0: Yeah, I mean, come on, like who, who doesn't value like an extra pair of hands, you know? And uh, and it was just crazy to me that 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 ref was like, bam, just just zero tolerance for that, just just, just didn't even let it happen. And so our, our gaffer gets a red, and you said it moments ago. Um, they played the best that they played all match. For that last 20 minutes, just aggressive, just pissed off. And you could see it. I mean, do you remember that point in the stadium? Lesane had gotten the card and in the pitch, like all the way from one end, all the way to the curse end. There was literally like a United player colliding with a Loudon player all the way through. There was a collision to the very end where Ryden just intentionally just bumps into someone and i thought man someone get these guys because we're about to get more red cards because they're obviously pissed off like like that's something you do when you're pissed off you find the next guy and you give him a you give him a shove and that's what we were seeing and i felt the tension rise in the stadium and i thought okay well, let's see what happens now because it's going to be really interesting and i thought the last 20 minutes was the best the stadium was also very loud, with the ref, you suck chants. Probably the loudest it had been all night. You know, um, I want you to comment on, one, how they played, and two, on how the stadium became a fortress in the last 20 minutes versus how it wasn't for the rest of the match.
1: Um, you know, how they played the last 20 minutes, like I said, kind of did frustrate me. Don't get me wrong. I, I did like how they played, but it was very frustrating that now they kind of like woke up. They should have, if anything, if they needed a red card to be woken up, they should have woke up when Yearwood got the red card, not the last 20 minutes of the match when Troy got his red card, which once again, it just, if anything, it should have been a yellow because those players were flopping like I'm (laughs) there were the they they literally are the phoenix uh, rising of the eastern conference when it comes to the flopping and the acting and laying on the floor and it's just with that it's such a waste of time and with how many of the players they were doing of of how they were doing that that's when the official should have you know given a yellow or you know did something about it because that is unacceptable you saw one player go down okay that's like five minutes wasted and then okay they get back up three minutes later they're flopping down again and that's another five minutes wasted so it was very frustrating on our end and you can tell that those Loudon players were tired. They they just didn't want to play anymore, and they were just finding ways to waste time and to keep you know the score how it was uh, one nil in their favor. And with the stadium, once the red card was awarded to Troy, the stadium you can tell there was. A lot of tension and anger towards the officials and the uh, Loudoun United players because of how they were acting with the flopping. Where I was sitting, everyone kept saying, "Get up!" Like it seriously, no one touched you. Or if you're gonna lay there, at least lay outside of the of the field and let them keep playing. So you can tell that not only were our players very frustrated but we were as well because we knew that this game was not fair. And it it literally was not in our hand at all since we got the red card with Yearwood.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the stadium being quiet, it's like you have to make an environment that's hard for the other team to play in. I mean, don't get me wrong. Their goal was nice. Mustafa drove in. On Josh Suggs pitched it off top of the box, easy shot. Like it's literally, literally at that point, it's just whether or not uh, Tanbakis can make the stop or not. Um, but the stadium was quiet most of the time. I mean, the wave happened. I hate the wave, but the wave happened, and um, and and all of these other distracting factors. Um, that last twenty minutes, Josh Suggs time after time, after time. At first I was like, stop, stop, stop doing that. Stop, stop. But then I was like, wait, we've got to look at this differently. Like Josh is trying to get something going. He's trying to dish the ball up to Ilya, you know, which that ball got called offside. You know, he's trying to put it out there in front of the different guys and create chances. Josh Suggs was really like the only sort of like leadership or composure we had you know, and I thought, you know what, dude? Fine, fine by you to be a little bit stingy with the ball because no one was really giving it to you up the left channel the whole match, anyways. So, like, you know, keep taking it, you know. But he was distributing it. He was trying to find it. Kalen Ryden came from the back to the front when Sh- when Schmidt was in, you know. Ryden, as you know, we we talked to him on a podcast back at the pre-COVID. Ryden was a forward once before, so. You know, so him being up front is something that he knows fairly well, you know. But, I mean, I'd have to I'd have to give a big kudos to the captain Josh Suggs because, I mean, you know, he really looks like first-year Josh Suggs. And I think since he's been playing at a position and playing more of a utility winger and such, we just really hadn't seen him the same way we saw him that first year, you know, where he was really taking the ball up a lot more and kind of really commanding it. And I hope that this is something that will kind of – continue that we'll see him kind of you know take a little bit more of that control that the guys will kind of put that his area because I think when things originate on the left side it creates more opportunities than it does when it when it originates on the right side
1: yeah and I agree with you there I Suggs I like the way he's playing and you know last season it kind of felt like he kind of got lost and we weren't seeing that much of him so I really like with what he's doing this year
0: Right on, we're going to take a break. That was the recap of Loud and United. Get these guys out of here. We only need one United. I was getting a little queasy having two in the stadium.
2: Hey, yo! We about to blackout. Blackout.
1: blackout. Who the Blackout? Hey yo, these cats is all lying like that Detroit team. Patrick Cliver, when I hold the mic, ghost him like a poltergeist, cold as ice. Roll the dice, roll him. This is Cliver.
2: It's a real chance, and Holland has got
1: one back.
0: And we're back. We're back from the break. Well, Lisa, we we've got. Another situation of a, what, a Friday game this week?
1: Uh, Yep. <laughs> at 8 p.m. against the Real Monarchs.
0: Man, so talk about don't stay at work too late this week, Alicia, because uh, you want to be able to watch the full match uh, from the comfort of your own home probably, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, most likely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Real Monarchs. Oh, what to say, what to say. I mean, obviously last year we played them. Um, in their own kingdom, if you will, and you know the kings of chaos, you know were very prevalent there. Um, Real Monarchs this year currently zero or zero, but o oh, two and two. They've drawn two. They've lost two. Uh, they were supposed to play Hartford Athletic last week, but there, that match was postponed. I believe someone from the Real Monarchs camp um, may have uh, may have or a covered person. I should they should say uh, had tested positive for COVID. So essentially, you know, they had to kind of postpone that match. Um, Some folks were obviously a little pissed off on the East Coast because they really wanted to see the match happen, you know, whatnot. Um, But ultimately, that didn't happen. So Real Monarchs was essentially rested for the week, if you think about it. So they've got fresh legs. Um, They're looking for their first win. And apparently, New Mexico United, you know, we're now – we we've, we've now given the team their first win in Loudoun. so i mean do you think royal monarchs are going to try to you know do you think that they're look i mean obviously they're looking for their first win but do you think that that they're going to come out a little bit more um a little bit more hungry being that they're rested
1: um i believe so and you know being rested one week is is very good for them and not considering us you know we just played on Saturday, and then here we go again, and then we also have to travel. So it's just they could be tired, but you never know when it comes to our players. But with Realm Monarchs, they are going to come in super strong and try to look for that win.
0: Well, and we're going to have Tanari back, I believe.
1: Yes, we will have Tanari back, and we will also have Yearwood. So we should be sent on a pretty full team.
0: Right, right. So that'll be good. Um, I don't know the discipline for Walsane. I don't know how many matches he's out. of. It's just one?
1: I believe it'll be just one, and I'm sure we will be seeing Zach Prince, um, you know, coach that match
0: okay there you go um so real monarchs has has been playing out of a 4-4-2 as well as a 3-4-3 against the opponents they played against um they've been been pretty much matching the formation i'm real interested in what they'll come out of i think against our 3-5-2 that they're more likely going to be in the 3-4-3 because it's probably going to give them you know about the same sort of look uh, like I said they haven't really played in the three five two. If they do, then to me they really practiced that through this last week and then that's what you're gonna see them in. But I feel like they're gonna come out in that 3-4-3 three, three and just probably stagger someone just you know and you're probably gonna see more more of them man marking guys versus, you know, playing in zones. yeah,
1: and I kind of see that too and you know they're there is a player that we kind of don't have to worry about. Um, you know, Jack Blake being one of their top players last season and the season before that, he did move on to San Diego Loyal where he plays now. And, you know, that's someone less we have to worry about. So, you know, maybe it, it can be a, a good game for us.
0: Right. And we don't have to worry about Noah Powder and his, like, lightning leg. But, I mean – I know that at times the first team with RSL, they do obviously loan players down, you know, to get them more minutes, you know, and speaking of just different players that they've got on loan, they definitely did sign some different players. I mean, they did, went, they did go to uh, Ireland for a couple of players, um, one it being Pierce O'Brien, namely, uh, that I would bring up. Um, you know, he's 16 years old. Um, he played for the U15 um, Republic of Ireland. Um, he hasn't obviously really had any any goals, so to say. Their goal scorers um, are Ibrahim are Ibrahim uh, Bonds and uh, Jason Ramirez, and there's one other scorer I believe as well um, that I'll find here in a minute. But they also got Malik Johnson, a winger from the Tampa Bay Rowdies, who played with the Tampa Bay Rowdies the last two seasons. So I mean. They've got him. Uh, Bonds is from West Africa, um, so I mean, and then of course Ramirez is just a very fast player on the pitch. I mean, this Real Monarchs team that we're looking at is essentially like RSL players that didn't that aren't getting minutes with the first team, along with Real Monarch players that we have seen uh, from the previous season, and then some loanies, um from other parts of the world that you know do kind of add a little bit of of pace. Uh, which is something United's been really dealing with lately. Um, and also just some different experience.
1: Yeah. And the, with the pace, it's it gets kind of frustrating too, because I feel like I've always said this that our back line kind of does struggle. And that's something that we really need to work on. And it seems like, you know, we're kind of getting those missing pieces, and it's like feeling a jigsaw puzzle where. You feel like you got the pieces but then either one doesn't fit or like one's not rotated right and you kind of have to keep looking for it and right now I just our backline isn't that strong as I would like it to be definitely better than year 1 but it's not strong enough
0: Yeah I mean with with you see some things I mean the speed difference between um, Karu Amastafa as well as what Haji Barry had did the week before, you kind of know that United does kind of have some bouts with teams that have pace, Um, you know? And the one thing is that we, to a fault, build out of the back. So, you know, when you got teams that got pace and you're building out of the back and the passes aren't crisp, That creates a lot of threat, and that that creates uh, plenty of times where we've seen United playing out of their their defending half for much time than they need to. This is a young team. Uh, Their average age is 21, Um, so young guys, right? but they're definitely looking for their first win. United has to bounce back from that Loudon-United loss, and they've got to come out. And, and punish the squad because if they don't, they're going to make real Monarchs think that they're in a match. that really, they probably shouldn't be in.
1: I agree with that too. And, you know, the minute the that whistle blows to start the match, they should be on them literally like a hawk and, you know, and create those chances. And most importantly, you mentioned this with the Chris passes, um, you know wherever you're trying to pass get it to them because i've seen these last matches where we pass the ball literally to the other team and it's a very sloppy and i haven't seen that in a while from us so we really do need to work on those passes and you know also kind of i guess you know watch the bounce from the ball too because you are going to be playing on turf and it's going to be like the Colorado switchbacks game.
0: Yeah. You bring up a good point there. Um, They definitely got to communicate. That was the one thing that I saw from my vantage point when Harry Swartz came in, uh, he and Bruce, I mean, they kind of traded off on responsibilities with uh, Samaki. And uh, at times Samaki was just blowing through because Swartz was too focused on the left side. And Bruce was too far up the pitch. So things like that create, you know, dangerous spaces for, uh, for players to break into with a lot of pace like that. Um, so, you know, what are we thinking? Who, who do we think we're going to see up top in this match? Do you think that Troy is going to want to, uh, do the Brian Brown, Devin Sandoval thing again to kind of see what that would look like? Um. Or do you think that he switches it up and goes with another rotation?
1: Um, I hope he does switch it up and goes back. Since we have Tenari and Yearwood, I hope he does switch it up and goes back to Amanda Moreno and Brian Brown up top. And, you know, keeping kind of like the same lineup. Because, I mean, if that worked well for us, you know, why, why change it up? And, you know, especially when you know, he probably thought, you know, maybe if we change it and, you know, we kind of probably have this game in the bag, we can see what we can do. But at this point, I think we should just stick to what we know and what's working. You know, maybe kind of pull some players out, like, you know, maybe you might not want Tenari in the midfield and start Michael Azira again, then that's something that we knew worked from last game. But it's just, I don't see what the up top situation is very, you know, kind of critical for us in making those chances. And right now the most chances that were, that have been made have been between Brian Brown and Amanda Moreno.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, we can't argue with that. That's, that's the truth. You know, if it's working, it's got, we got to keep doing it. Um, one more thing before we get into our favorite part of the episode uh, what did you think about Alex Touche's debut in the Loudon match? And do you think that we will see more of Alex Touche this week uh, in that backline?
1: To be honest with you, I wasn't too crazy about him at first with his signing. I wasn't too crazy about him. I was like, nah, like, you know, just another kind of player to fill the roster like I hate to say that but it kind of felt like that but the way he did play against loud united and you know and maybe you know it was like the tension that was on the field but he was physical he you know he didn't act like the other uh, like the other team's players where he like flopped and you know just laid there like he had no life in him he literally if he got knocked down he got right back up and he did amazing. Like he really, he really changed my mind on like how I felt about him. So you know, I kind of do hope to see him more, but maybe not starting eleven, but more as kind of like Devin, like a super sub.
0: Okay, okay. Well, we're finally here at this point. Um, I really do gotta tally all of our scores, but they do live on the internet. So, Alicia, it is that time. Last week, I think we both lost because obviously we didn't score any goals. So, I got to know, how many goals, what's the result going to be, and who is going to have the first strike?
1: I'm going to say 1-0 United. And I'm going to have Rivas score the one and only goal.
0: Okay. All right. I am going to... I feel like we can score two. I'm going to say that it's going to be two... I'm going to say it's going to be two-nil. And, I mean, obviously a, a United win there. And for my first strike... I am going to say Brown, Brian Brown. I think the worst thing about these predictions is you don't even know who's in the starting lineup.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's kind of hard with Troy, because you never know. Next thing you could probably see, um, Philip Beigel and goal, and you're like, what? Nine.
0: and maybe so. he gets the score for all we know so <laughs> so there you go uh, we have both cast our votes and speaking of this last week we launched a contest called the Kings of Chaos First Strike Contest the first one by Seek and Strike Collective uh, for the 2021 season every match day be sure to look out on the Curse Supporters page the Seek and Strike Facebook page uh, we'll make sure we post it out there. It'll be the, like I said, it'll be Seeking Strikes uh, first, or King of, sorry, King of Chaos, Kings of Chaos first strike contest presented by Rude Boy Cookies. Uh, you, all you have to do is guess who you think is going to have the first strike for United. You go ahead and fill out the form, submit it. Um, when the first goal is scored, um, the the form or the contest will close, I should say, and all of the correct answers will be entered into a pool and a winner will be randomly selected. In case you're wondering, how would you randomly select someone? We'll throw all the names in a randomizer on the internet and we'll get a random number from someone through one through 50 and we'll go ahead and click the randomizer that many times. And then whoever comes out in the first position is who would win? Okay, so last week there were no scores. So we appreciate everyone who put in their answer. There were definitely some very good uh, possibilities for first strikes, but unfortunately United didn't score. So uh, best of luck to you this week. Um, as the contest will come out earlier in the day, and obviously you have until seven fifteen, um, local or uh, you know seven fifteen uh, Mountain Time to uh, enter the contest um and i should say this like essentially before kickoff uh depending on what time the game is um alicia said eight o'clock so boo um so i'll have it straight for you i'm 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 rambling right now so we're gonna we're gonna kill this episode uh alicia where can folks find you on the internet
1: Uh, You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at exclusive underscore Alicia and on Facebook under Alicia Arias.
0: Right on. You guys can find me at by Chris Walker on Instagram and Twitter. Um, Instagram is where I post all my food and all my cool toys. So check me out there. And, um, you know, uh, Alicia, this has been another great episode. Thanks for hanging out again on the weekly episode. Um, Get through the next couple of days. We've got a match day to look at in two days. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, tweet us when you hear the episode. This has been another episode of We Are Seek and Strike Podcast, and we'll catch you at the next time. You've been listening to We Are Seek and Strike Podcast, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find more USL-related podcasts and written content at bgn.fm. To never miss new content, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Seek & Strike Collective. Lastly, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.